It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George in New York. I'm Bill Calagero and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing alright. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our app. It's free. Download it now. You want to watch and listen to the show on your uh, cell phone or anywhere else? And catch everything that we have to offer with Fight TV. Well, then uh, download our app right now. Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the download the free app banner. You can't miss it. And speaking of uh, uh, free, how about our next uh, Billy C. Get Together? Stay tuned because we're going to be announcing it uh, very soon uh, where it's going to be. I know it's going to be taking place uh, middle of January. And we're trying to gear it uh, as a, uh, you know, after the holiday treat for yourselves. And you come on down with uh, Sal and myself, and we will be broadcasting not one, not two, not three, but four classic fights that we're going to revisit. So you want to be part of that, I'm sure. We have a great time. You saw uh, the video of uh, the last one we did, and uh, this one will be bigger and better. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you're interested in getting... uh, on that list, just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. And finally, today's show, she's being brought to you in a part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. Hey, you can get a copy of this book while you're watching or listening to this show right now. Visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you want to take advantage of a, of a deal, directly from yours truly like i've been getting i'll tell you the truth remember i told you guys i ordered uh by mistake an extra box well that box is gone man we uh we've been getting a lot of people taking advantage uh of a uh, special deal that i will offer to you if you're in the u.s so just drop me an email if you're interested in giving uh my book away for christmas gifts uh especially if you have uh, more than one on your list it fits right in the stocking perfect perfect christmas gift and yeah, Christmas is on its way. Today's the beginning of December. Just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. 
Well, coming up a little bit later on the show, Dax Gon's going to join us. Uh, he's got a uh, opinionated commentary he's going to talk about, so you don't want to miss that. I got some updates on uh, Anthony Joshua and his next opponent and who Plan B is, who Plan C is, and why the D-man uh, may be uh, put off a little bit. Uh, we also uh, are going to take a deep look uh, into Miguel Cotto and his fight coming up uh, Saturday night against uh, Saddam Ali. I'll give you my prediction on that, which you already know. And uh, finally, I, my, my, one of my main topics today... You know, Bob Arum is a guy that uh, has been in this boxing business for a long time. And in case you don't know, Bob Arum was an attorney and everything else. And he's been involved with the uh, sport of boxing uh, for over 50 years. And, you know, he's one of the, uh, he's like Custer's last stand. You know, he's one of the old timers that uh, um, has links to boxing the way it was in its glory days and, and obviously to today. And Bob Arum has been part of that, along with his company, Top Rank, uh, for that whole evolution. When they asked him what his secret was, now he's going to turn 86. His fight that's taking place next weekend uh, that he's promoting uh, between Lomachenko and uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux, uh, he will have turned 86 years old um, by the time they do that fight next weekend. And he was doing some promotional stuff yesterday. And they basically said, hey, Bob, what's your secret? You know, uh, what's what's your secret to longevity? Have you been at the top? This isn't a guy that's just been involved in the sport of boxing for over 50 years. This is a guy that's been at the top of the boxing business for over 50 years. Did he say he works out five times a day? No. Did he say he eats right and exercises and uh, does all the right things? No. Did he say... That he takes Geritol every day? No. Did he say that he takes a vitamin and drinks gallons of coffee because coffee is good for you now? No. You know what he said What his longevity is due to? Smoking weed. The guy smokes weed. I love it. Joining me right now at his opinion is my man, Sal, Rocky, Senecola. And Bob Aram says the secret to his longevity is marijuana. I love it. Congratulations, Bob. What do you think about that, Unbelievable. I, I, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. That's a secret. I, I thought it was maybe laced with Geritol or something. I that that blows my mind. Uh, I, I tell you, <laughs> not only it. not only th- does he say that his longevity uh, is uh, you know based on it. Um, he, here's some quotes. They were saying, uh, you know, he was promoting, and 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 remember, this is coming from a guy that was famous for saying. Oh, no, no, no. I was lying yesterday, but today I'm telling you the truth. You know, so so right. keep that in perspective, right? But but he says. The question is, if they gave me a VADA test, would I pass it, right? This is what he's saying during the press That's conference. Funny, funny. Uh, he I says, like where he's going. He says, I don't take performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, but I do come from Nevada. So it's legal right now, and I have a puff every now and then. I plead guilty to that. Other than that, my body's in good shape. He says, I started using marijuana in 1966. He says, kids, young kids shouldn't do it. Because your brain is still being formulated. But 1966, I was in my 30s and I started. He says, I don't do it at work. Uh, I do do it for recreation. It's good for you. It's good for you. Marijuana is good for you. It's these damn people during the Nixon administration that put cannabis into the position where it is today. 
It's in the same category as drugs like heroin and cocaine, and that's wrong. Now I think people in the states like Nevada, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and soon-to-be California, people will be able to go into places and buy it legally like I do in Nevada. This is Bob Aram talking. He says, uh, uh, you know, and when they asked him about uh, one of his fighters at the time in 2012, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. had tested positive for uh, marijuana, and at the time it was not legal in the state of Nevada, and uh, they suspended him for nine months Bob Arum uh, responded to that in his conference yesterday. He says, I was sorry that that happened, that he tested positive, but I'm not going to condemn a kid for smoking a joint a month before a fight so he could go to sleep. He says, what the F has happened? I mean, let's be real about it. Let's not be hypocritical about this. Cheating, performance-enhancing drugs, that's wrong. Smoking a joint before a fight? Take a poll here. What kind of percentage do you think of the people who smoked a joint in the last month? So let's be effing real. You know what, Sal? I know I'm making light of it, but let me tell you something. Bob Arum is right on. I mean, I, you know, whenever I get into these conversations about, uh, you know, marijuana versus like, uh, like alcohol, let's say, you know, there's so many studies are finally being done, and that's one of the problems. There hadn't been studies done because there was no uh, monies released for the studies on, on uh, marijuana. And, you know, I always, I always shut people up with one, say, with one sentence. I always say, hey, listen, you know what? Anybody that's of age can go and, and have an alcohol, have a drink, you know, of, of alcohol. And, uh, you know, all of the things that stem from it, you know, drinking and driving, endangering your own life, endangering the life of others, uh, people actually being killed from alcohol poisoning uh, or uh, effects from it. I always say one thing, Sal. I say, hey, how many people do you know that smokes marijuana? Or, or let me rephrase it. How many people do you know that smoked a joint and then went home and beat up their wife? Or how many people do you know that smoked a joint and, and went and uh, robbed an old lady because uh, they needed to get a fix. That doesn't happen. Maybe they steal a bag of Doritos or potato chips or something like that, but nothing serious, <laughs> Sal. What's your thoughts, man? Well, you know, that does uh, give a whole scenario. of You know, we, we've been debating since the 60s and 70s how uh, marijuana does work with society or how it can work with society or how it is – uh, viewed as being illegal and a gateway drug to other things and you know i've heard it my whole life and and uh you know i think that uh you know I, it's funny to hear bob Arum, you know come out and say that and you know it's so funny i, I bumped into to, uh a, a, a lady uh yesterday going to a gnc health food store I, I usually buy a lot of, oh sorry did i plug them i'm sorry i i, I usually get my monthly supply supply of, of vitamins and uh and she said she was starting to sell this uh, cannabis oil or some kind of miracle drug or something like this that uh, supposedly um, uh, Michael J. Fox has taken. It's reversing his symptoms of, uh, of uh, Parkinson's and, and other people are finding uh, recuperative powers. And who knows what's out there and what derivative and what could be the residual and what could be the benefits of of the whole thing with hemp and, and marijuana. I mean, I invest in some of that stuff because I know it's it's a it's a smart move to look at some of the venues or some of the things that can be used for. But uh, I, I I don't know. I give it. I give uh, I give uh, Bob Arum a, a pass. And you know, here's a guy. He's a, he's an innovator. He came out. Uh, 
and built a friend build a beautiful conglomerate of uh, a promotional outfit called top rank and uh yeah i give bob uh, all the credit i mean i i can't say i endorse it but uh I, hey if it if he has the credibility and uh, is promoting the marijuana why not you know the the thing i endorse so sal doesn't i do i think uh you know and, and the funny thing is is you look at it this way you know and 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 don't get me wrong i, I as long as it's done within you know the way it's supposed to the way well, we're anything. hoping the, the way we're hoping it happens yeah. in other words if you're of age and like bob aram says you know you're not doing it at work you're not doing you know you're doing it as recreation you know a lot of people come home after a day at work and they have a drink you know what's the difference if you know they they smoke pot or or whatever and now there's a whole business of uh, eating it you know um edibles and all this stuff i'm just glad that they are looking at the research aspect because for years and years there been so many misconceptions about the danger and the health risk and everything else. And to be honest with you, they haven't found anything. As a matter of fact, they find reverse situations. Um, you know, they've tried to connect it. When I was a kid, they used to say, oh, you smoke a joint. It's like smoking a pack of cigarettes and tar and nicotine in your lungs. I remember that. I remember that. That's false. There's no, there's no tar and nicotine. They have, they have tested. Now they finally have been testing for at least 25 years, which they hadn't up to that point, which is pretty sad. And they found no uh, negative effects uh, on, 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 you know, in your body. As a matter of fact, there's some anti-cancer uh, results that are showing up. You know, so uh, it's listen. It's uh, it was interesting that he said that. And uh, we'll move on. One other thing I'll, I'll just say that uh, Bob Arum uh, was such an advocate. Now, this is back when it wasn't as decriminalized as it is today. We're talking about in the 60s. He said he started in 66, 60s and 70s. Yes, there was the peace, love yeah, movement. Yeah, Woodstock. Well, the peace and love movement, people were smoking, obviously. Uh, but uh, but you, you could go to jail for being uh, in possession of a joint. Today, most states, uh, you can have up to an ounce and you'll get it like a ticket. But... Bob Arum, not only is he a boxing promoter, he's a movie star because he appeared in the movie The Marijuana Affair, and that took place in 1975. So uh, punch that up. I, I must have missed that one. Yeah, I, you know, I never saw it myself. But, uh, <laughs> and you know what's funny? If you ever look at the... Just so you know, what happened with, first of all, mar uh, we're, we're totally off my topics today, but marijuana used to be legal in the States, and so was drugs like cocaine and heroin. You used to be able to go to a... Uh, a, a pharmacy and buy the stuff. It wasn't it, until the opium wars happened um, yeah. when they uh, when they they classified it as as a drug. And then, like Bob Aram says, you know, during uh, the sixties and seventies, they pointed the finger at uh, marijuana as being just as bad and addictive as uh, heroin and cocaine. But there was a movie that was put out in the thirties, uh, right around uh, uh, the uh, well, a uh, little after, uh, obviously after the uh, opium wars. Um, but uh, it was called Reefer Madness, and if you've ever seen it, it's such a joke. They have they have this guy. He smokes weed, and all of a sudden he's like, like he's like a Jekyll and Hyde, you know. And obviously, we know that that's not what happens, all right, you know. Uh, but uh, like I said, you may rush for the to the refrigerator and grab something to eat, but uh, that's about it. Anyway, let's move on. Um, you know, there's some, been updates with uh, my man uh, AJ, Anthony Joshua. Uh, I got some uh, 
uh, quote, Sal, not only from him, but from his promoter, Eddie Hearn. Uh, Anthony Joshua says, and this is Eddie, uh, this is Anthony Joshua, says uh, basically he wants, he wants to fight all the guys that they want him to. He wants to fight Wilder. He wants to fight Parker. He wants to fight Tyson Fury. He says, uh, uh, according to him, that the negotiations are ongoing, which I'll get to that in a second. He says, Fury is a fight I would like to see, but the ball's in his court. He has to get in shape first. When he's ready, we'll open the doors. And if he walks through it, we'll welcome him. <laughs> That's a very smart <laughs> statement because, you very know what, for, for Anthony Joshua to step in the ring right now with Tyson Fury, would make him look stupid, you know? And and like you and I have talked about, Sal, on this show, you know, Tyson Fury has to, you know, he's not going to be, a, at least I hope, that he doesn't, you know, somehow straighten out his, his mess with his boxing license with the BBBC and all of a sudden expect to hop in the ring and fight Anthony Joshua. We have to see him fight in a preliminary fight or two. Don't you agree? I, will, I agree with you 100%. No way should he deserve that opportunity or chance to get in the ring with a world with a reigning world champion with his first comeback fight as it is. And no way, no way. And he needs definitely one, at least two. He needs a couple 10-round fights and uh, work his way back up in the deserved rankings. And uh, then he'll work his way in. So if he could do that, the first thing is uh, get back in shape. Get your professional boxing license issued and uh, pass all the things they want you to do. And then, uh, you know, start fighting. Let your fist do the talking. Get into the ring. And that's it. Um, he also said, uh, as far as the situation with Joseph Parker, we've presented an offer to them and we're waiting patiently. Nothing's been agreed. We have uh, uh, talked about some of the response from the Parker camp. Uh, obviously demanding more. He says, as far as uh, Wilder, who says I'm running scared, it's the same situation. We've been talking to him and his team. Um, he says, listen, we staged a fight with one of the all-time greats in Vladimir Klitschko and staged a fantastic fight at Wembley Stadium where we all put our egos and demands to one side. But I just don't know where Parker and Wilder's mindsets are and what they're demanding. I just think they have poor management. Um, you know, it boils back to what we've said, Sal. Realistic, you know, and, I, and I've said this many, many times. We always hear, you know how the, the old saying, there's, there's three sides to the story. There's right. side A, there's side B, and then there's the truth, right? Well, right. you know, what bothers me in the sport of boxing, and we do hear it a lot, um, and I'm not going to single out anyone because we hear it from everybody in boxing. You know, I, I say I want to fight Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal says, oh, I want to fight Billy C. So I say, okay, Sal, you're going to fight me. Uh, we're going to offer you uh, 35 cents. And then you say, I'm not taking 35 cents. I, I want, you know, 100 bucks or whatever, right? And then I say, Sal's ducking me, right? And then people, right. say, then right. people say, oh, Sal's ducking Billy C. You know, no, 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 wait. What's the rest of the story? You know, the rest of the story is he's not ducking them. He just wants to be paid a little more. As long as that is talked about. And I would, I have no problem listening to uh, Deontay Wilder say, I feel I'm worth X, Y, Z. You know, they offered me ABC. I want X, Y, Z. Rather than what he says. He says he's running for me. He's scared. He knows I'm the best. He knows that I'm going to knock him out. He knows that I have one punch power. You know, 
they're leaving out the other part. What's your thoughts? Well, it's a whole thing. You know, I built it's like uh, we used to hear, and now the rest of the story. And that's the whole thing. You've got to disclose and say, hey, we're in negotiations. Uh, right now, I'm not happy with the figure I'm being offered, and I think uh, we could deserve more, and, and uh, I, uh, I'll, I'm working on it. You don't just say, ah, they're ducking me, they're ducking me. Because you know what? These guys are looking at a gift horse in the mouth. If they really want to fight Anthony Joshua, they would humble themselves, put their tail between their legs, saying, hey, I'm going to make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. I'm going over to Wembley Stadium, and I'm going to fight the one of the champions of the world in his backyard, and I'm going to dethrone him. I'm going to make him look like he never um, – make him wish he never took this fight. You got to go in there with a badass attitude. You're there, and guess what? The rematch clause is going to be on your terms if you win. So, I mean, these guys should do that. Wake up and, and uh, you know, take a little bit of a, of a humble pie and uh, show what you the world what you could do on a world stage and then have a rematch clause. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't understand it. First of all, they're going to be offered something very reasonable, very fair. It's just not maybe with their promoters, managers, and, and, and what they may want to. But the bottom line is they, they're looking at a gift horse in the mouth right now. So in a fight, now I I don't know about Joseph Parker, and and it probably this could be said. For Joseph that. who who? Well, that right that that could, it could probably be said for that too. But as far as AJ against Wilder, listen that fight, I don't see why it wouldn't be a two fight deal right from it's the get go, right from the get go. Gotta be. And and you put in the and you put a home and away type deal. In other yes, words, what that means yes. is. You fight one in Wembley or wherever in England, and the other one comes back to the States. You could even put a pay structure in there. You know, you accept uh, the first fight you're paying, and, and, and AJ's in the driver's seat. Let's be real. So AJ says, okay, Deontay, or AJ's team says, okay, Wilder, uh, this is what you make in the first one. We'll definitely have a second one. You're guaranteed to make XYZ in the second one. We'll have it in the States. Now, if you win the first one, now you make XYZ for the second one. Give them incentive. Make it, exactly. you know, and, and it's a two-fight deal, win, lose, or draw. Even if AJ knocked out Deontay Wilder in 30 seconds, Deontay Wilder could say, hey, I, I got caught. You know, uh, uh, I, I deserve another fight. You know, it, and, and maybe better yet, if the fight went on and was an exciting fight like the Klitschko-AJ fight was, Damn, would be treated to another one. Hold that thought. I got some more quotes. Uh, we got to take a break. I, I've been in, gotten in trouble about breaks, so we got to take them on time. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be here. Hey, listen, uh, I know we uh, simulcast on Facebook uh, every day, and I, I just want to appreciate i just want to thank and and let everybody know that watches us on facebook uh, i appreciate the support um keep in mind that that's not the full version but we promise uh some of our uh, updates uh, that we will be having for 2018 we're adding a few new segments which we'll keep you posted on 
Uh, I got some news for you about uh, my next uh, book. Uh, we got uh, some changes that are going to be made on the Facebook broadcast. So a lot of good stuff. We always, uh, listen, we're in our 14th year and we improve every single year. I got some more uh, uh, quotes concerning uh, uh, AJ, Sal. You ready for this? I'm ready for this. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Uh -huh. but, uh, but Now, Eddie Hearn is the uh, promoter. Uh, he also uh, uh, owns, you know, matchmaker, uh, uh, match uh, room sports. I always say matchmaker, but it's match room. Um, he like says, uh, basically he says that um, the WBO heavyweight champ, who's Joseph Parker, is the front runner uh, to, uh, to fight Anthony Joshua. He says, uh, but if that doesn't happen... Uh, he says that, uh, you know, heavyweight contenders Dillian White and baby Jarrell Miller um, are the guys that may fight him. I hope, listen, Dillian White, they already fought. Yeah. And although Dillian White has earned uh, a shot with his fights, like uh, Jarrell Miller, he is no, this guy, I, I don't understand, you know, and it's one of my big pet peeves in the sport of boxing. You know, in boxing, if you shoot your mouth off, except for me, it, it doesn't work for me. But in boxing, if they shoot their mouth off, they get themselves a fight. Jarrell Baby Mill is a fraud. He never fought anybody. Come on. Who's the guy fought? He's a big, fat pig. He says nobody can do anything that I can do in the ring. What? Waddle around like a fat piece of shit? Come on. Come on. Jarrell Mill is a piece of shit. Really. I mean, I, the guy can't fight. He didn't show me anything against the stationary uh, targets. I, I don't know. It's a joke. I mean, don't you think so, Sal? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think he has really the uh, credibility where he should be given that opportunity right now. And you know what? If he, if he fights some good contenders and he can beat these guys uh, on an even playing field, let him work his way up. Let him do this. But because, uh, you know, they, they think he's a top contender now or uh, or he's in a position, I, I want to see the rankings. I want to see who else is available ahead of him. Well, the thing is, is they they maneuver him and move him up I too know, quick. I know. I mean, that's a joke. Who's he fought, Sal? That's just it. There is no real top pedigree that he's beaten and uh, that uh, he really uh, warrants a, a title shot. I think he's got a, a little ways to go yet. There's no one on his resume that warrants him to be in the top ten, for God's sakes. Really? I mean. Yes, there is. Who? That guy, uh, uh, money change green bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Money change green bucks. You got it. You got it. Um, Eddie Hearn said this, and I quote. He said, there are two perfect fights for AJ. Joseph Parker and Deontay Wilder. Bingo. Now, now we, we all agree. You know, this is what I like about this guy. Listen, you have said this many times uh, about uh, Chicky Ferrara saying, hey, listen, we're all bad. You know, we're, we use the fighters, everything else. And and it's probably one of the most truthful statements somebody could tell one of their fighters, okay? Fighters are a commodity. And, and the it. truth of the matter is, is promoters are in business to make money. That's what made me laugh my ass off when all the idiots thought that Al Heyman was doing what he was doing to save boxing. Yeah, right. Al Heyman, Al Heyman was doing it to save his bank account. He kept punching money, you know, get, get doing all this stuff. He did not do anything to save boxing. He did it for Al Heyman. But that, that's just goes to show you the stupidity of a lot of the fans. But the truth of the matter is, 
is that Eddie Hearn is in this for the money. But he seems to be doing the right things, taking the right steps. He says the two perfect fights for AJ, uh, Joseph Parker, Deontay Wilder. The Wilder fight has become kind of unrealistic because of their demands, what they want. The Parker fight is a lot closer. We may have to look at WBA mandatory Dillian White, or we may go to the States and, for, and fight Jarrell Miller. These are options, but the aim is to become the undisputed world heavyweight champion. Parker's the front runner. He's the guy we want, but we can't be in a position where this goes on for three weeks, then falls through. What I like about this is that they seem to have a timetable set, Sal, and that is that's great for us as boxing fans because they want AJ to fight. If they're not going to pussyfoot around, they're not going to play stupid games with Parker and Deontay Wilder. They say, look, this is the offer. We're the A-side. We're the guy that people want to see. You don't sign the paper, then go fight your bums in a month like you keep fighting, and we'll do plan B. Uh, I love it. And I think that they're doing the smart thing, and I personally would hope that Team Wilder and Team Parker will uh, you know, wake up and realize that both of them have been offered lucrative deals way beyond anything they've made thus far. Sal, your thoughts, please. Well, you're 100% right. I mean, Bill, these guys, they could leverage this deal. It's not its not all or nothing. It's not winner take all. This is a very lucrative business proposition for them. And maybe because Anthony Joshua is getting more of the pie, it, it, it should be just a, a matter of, hey, we'll do a rematch clause if you should win or something else. And the bottom line is these guys would fight for the biggest person in their career. And you know what? If they had to, they could probably retire from it. Uh, I, I mean, look at Klitschko. Uh, if he, if, if he, he, I mean, he was probably smart with his money anyway, and he has more opportunities to do whatever he wants to do, and that's one of the reasons why he retired. But if the deal was not as lucrative, he would have exercised that rematch clause and wanted a little more money for the next one. But the bottom line is these guys should be, like I said, eat a little uh, diet of humble pie and say, look, this is the big picture. This is what's going to really happen, and this is going to be a two-fight deal. I'm going to look respectable. I might even beat him. I'm going to do what I can do to beat him. I'll be in his backyard. Uh, prisoners uh, Take no prisoners, and that's my mindset, my mentality. I'm going in there to win. And boom, they're going to put on a good performance. They're going to have a rematch clause. And you know what? They might get lucky with a shot. Who the hell knows? But the bottom line is, yes, they want to make these fights. Don't whine, bitch, and moan and tell them that, oh, well, he's ducking me. He's ducking me. No, he's not ducking you. Just get to the negotiation tables and, and you know, make sure you, you look at what the uh, P's and Q's and T's and I's are all about. And look at the big picture, boys, not just what's right in front of you. Well, the, the, sometimes they have the guys whisper in their ear the wrong shit. I mean, that's the truth. You know, yeah, yeah, don't take that. You're worth way more than that. You, you the man, you the man. You know, you know why? Because they see their own linings of their pocket. They of course. Look at the percentage. They look Thank at the you. And the third. They look at the 10% off the top. They look at this and they look at that. Exactly. Thank you, because that's the Thank truth. Thank you. It's that's, these other guys. That's right. You know, listen, Deontay Wilder hasn't made uh, $2 million yet. He was offered seven plus the U.S. TV rights. Oh, Come on, yeah. You know, I mean, you're not going to get more than $7 that. Seven million dollars. We're not talking about seven hundred. Uh, it's unbelievable. And and as far as Parker's concerned, you know, if AJ can generate twenty million dollars for himself, 
Parker does not deserve 35% or even 40. He doesn't deserve 40, doesn't deserve 35, doesn't deserve a percentage. Doesn't deserve a percentage. No one even knows who. Quite honestly, he could fight, um, you know, Dillian White and, and, and have just as big of interest as he fights Joseph Parker. The only thing that even makes the Joseph Parker fight part of a discussion is he happens to have a strap. That's it. That's and, right. and thank right. God, uh, Anthony Joshua and, and his promoter, Eddie Hearn, uh, want to collect those belts. So, Absolutely. Anyway. And Anthony Joshua's in the driver's seat. These guys should be knocking on the passenger window saying, uh, excuse me, uh, may I sit next to you? <laughs> let's let's take this ride down the road and, and uh, we'll both be happy. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, anyway, hey, uh, I just want to, before we take a break here, um, and, and, you know, we got uh, some news coming up and uh, Dax Khan is scheduled to join us here in about uh, 15 minutes or so uh, with uh, his uh, opinionated commentary on a, on a subject that uh, is a serious one. Okay. Um, uh, I uh, wanted to report that uh, it was released today that uh, on Wednesday um, it was reported that Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s Beverly Hills home. Now, this was the one, if I recall correctly, because I really try not to give a rat's ass about Floyd Mayweather, but if I recall correctly, this was the the, the house he just recently bought in Beverly Hills. I, I, I think it, I think it might have been the last one he bought. Anyway, according to police, uh, the Beverly Hills police, his house was robbed. Yes, it was, it was robbed. And uh, uh, Mayweather wasn't home at the time. And according to the police, uh, they said that uh, some luggage, some sunglasses, and other things were taken from the house. They did I not, uh, uh, you know, uh, announce exactly what was taken, and they didn't announce what the value of. Um, my, my quick comment here, Sal, and I got less than a minute, is, you know, what do you expect? When you're flaunting stuff around, you know, you got all these people that think it's, a, uh, you know, it's an easy hit. And the only thing I wonder is, how did they know Floyd wasn't home? You smell an inside job here like I do? You know what? Bill, you're funny. It must be, you know, Italians, we, we really don't trust anybody. And the bottom line is that you're telling a story, all I can think about, oh, man, what an inside job. This right. is a layup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows he's not home? Only the people <laughs> around him. Nobody else knows where Floyd is. You know what I mean? I mean, come on. Anyway, listen. He's out for a jug. I know. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, get you caught up on some emails. I got some sports scores. We got DaxCon coming up. Don't go nowhere. Uh, we got uh, a lot more to come. So uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, I'm here with uh, my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senicola. And Sal, last night we had Thursday night football. You know, I thought this game was going to be a lot better 
than it was, uh, especially since I lost my <coughs> bet on this game. But uh, right. mm -hmm. the Cowboys uh, snapped their losing streak and beat the Redskins 38-14 to without Elliott uh, behind uh, uh, the quarterback. So uh, congratulations to the Cowboys, 38-14 uh, over the Redskins. Uh, over in the NBA, the Cavaliers beat the Hawks 121-114. Uh, this is uh, following the very first time that uh, James uh, uh, was, uh, King James, I should say, uh, was uh, thrown out of a game. Yeah, he was uh, uh, thrown out of their last game. So uh, amazing about that. Uh, Celtics beat the 76ers 108-97. The Nuggets over the Bulls 111-110. The Bucks beat the Trailblazers 103-91. Uh and that would be LeBron James, in case anybody doesn't know who I was talking about with King James. I know it's the boxing show. I'm talking about LeBron, or I should have just said LeBron. But anyway, or Jesse? Yeah, uh, uh, no, different, different James. Bucks beat the Trailblazers 103 to 91. Jazz over the Clippers 120. They 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 beat them a little more than just clipping the Clippers. I got clipped in my hair, but uh, what was left of it? Jazz beat the Clippers 126 107 in the hockey. In the indie hockey. Uh, the Kings beat the Capitals 5-2. to two. The Canadians beat the Red Wings 6-3. to three. I know you love when I do the hockey scores, and it's I, coming. You know, I'm, it's I'm coming. starting to smile. It's I'm coming. It's coming. Uh, the, the Canuck, the puck the, stops here. The Canucks uh, beat the Predators 5-3. Uh, to three. The Wild over the— Where coming from, Predators? The, is that— Yeah, the, the Wild <laughs> beat the Golden Knights 4-2. to two. The Stars beat the Blackhawks 4-3 uh, to three in overtime. The Maple Leaves beat the Oilers six to four. And Sal, guess what? what? Those Flames, oh. those Flames, they beat the pants off of the Coyotes three to nothing. So uh, I wanted to let you get caught up on that because I know uh, that's your team. But uh, uh, in any event, I got an email. Uh, this one's from my man Jesse. And uh, no, not Jesse James, uh, Jesse Perez. <laughs> and uh, Jesse says, hey, Billy C and Sal, I got Cotto uh, stopping Ali in 10. Ray Vargas uh, winning a unanimous decision over Oscar Negrete. Uh, should be uh, a good fight. Ronnie Rios over Busa. And uh, he says, uh, Cotto basically will have too much experience and power for Ali. I'll give you uh, my predictions in a little while, but those are good ones. Uh, Jess, he says, uh, uh, Gamboa moves good but does not counterpunch with his defense. I mean, he eludes punches, but then he moves around without throwing punches. He needs to throw combos and counter off his def defense consistently. The problem with Gamboa is he really doesn't have defense. He never moves his head, and his defense is his offense. His movement is him trying to... Um, I think it's more of a timing mechanism. And, and his movement, he used to just come in for the attack. But now he's trying to be more, uh, you know, cautious because he's hit the canvas so many times that they have him moving and trying to box a little more. I think it's a clear case when, when you look at Yorick and Scamboa, Sal. I think it's a clear case of him being an old dog that you just can't teach new tricks. And I say old dog not because he's 35, but, but he had almost 400 amateur fights uh, in his uh, amateur career before, you know, uh, swimming over here in a coconut raft and then uh, starting his uh, professional uh, fights. And he's also being forced to fight bigger guys. I mean, yes, his career is most likely over at this point. But, I mean, it's hard to all of a sudden try and teach a guy defense when he's that far along, isn't it? 
Well, you know, you could teach a guy how to slip a punch. You could teach a guy a little bit of a counter punch. And you know what? If he if he wants to learn, I I believe you could teach an old dog some new tricks. And you know, it's how bad do they want it? And it's 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 understanding the value of what you're trying to show and teach them. And you know, it doesn't take much instead of boxing and, and blocking with your chin, just slip a punch counter here. Do this. You know, it it just takes it takes execution. It takes uh, delivery. It takes performance. It takes proficiency. And you know, you 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 do what's uh, what's not natural until it becomes natural. And you know, he can learn. And the bottom line is, will it change his style and and make him a completely different fighter? I don't think so. I mean, because part of his uh, his uh, performance of being aggressive and and being you know his best offense or defense is his offense. But no, just learn a few things of, the, of slipping and countering and and being in a position to deliver a punch when you're moving out and sliding and slipping a punch. That's all. I, he I, can learn that. I think he can, and I think I think he can. I think he can. <laughs> no, I think he can, and I think that you know what they should and listen. He's with a guy now. Um, that I think if he's got any shot at, at at least having a couple of successful fights, and I'm not talking about getting back to where he was because no. that's not happening, but if he if he wants to have a couple of successful fights, I think he's with the right guy. I think they're on the same wavelength. And if I'm him, all I'm trying to do with Gamboa at this point is get him to move his head. Get like you're saying, slip a little punches with head movement. You know, get in there, att- make sure he attacks because he's still got some hand speed that's you know uh, pretty impressive even at 35. You know, use it to his advantage. Go in attack mode. Move his head as he's coming in, and uh, and, and maybe he gets uh, uh, he gets it done. But uh, anyway, um, his next comment is, uh, "Hey Billy, I heard in an interview that Dana White is going to give it a try as a boxing promotion." Uh, with UFC, uh, you know, boxing is different than UFC. But anyway, maybe he meant the company. He said that he will do much better than all the other boxing promotions. Billy, a big company like UFC, should they try or really make sure what they are doing? <laughs> uh, should they basically? He's asking me, should they try this or should they really make sure they know what they're doing? Um, well, I would think they should really make sure that they know what they're doing. I mean, uh, you know, that goes without saying, but. But here's, here's the thing. What makes the UFC so successful and so powerful is that it was a league that was formed, similar to the NFL, NHL, NBA, etc., uh, Major League Baseball. You know, a league, when you become part of a league, you now have to conform to league policy. Yes, they have players' unions that, are, you know, are, are in between, so you have a liaison, etc. But, you know, it, it really it helps... Uh, you know the the teams and the owners of those teams, and and as long as there's a players, um, you know union, it helps them. Now, as far as boxing's concerned, if it would have been a league like when UFC started, um, they built the UFC and for all intent purposes the sport of MMA. Boxing's already been around. In order for it to be successful as a league, and that's not what Dana White is going to do, but if it could be successful as a league, which would be great, you'd have to get a pool of fighters that were willing to fight under that league's banner and build it from there. Is it possible? Yes. And you could eliminate all of the cash 
uh, you know, the claws in the cash cows, et cetera, et cetera. I would love it. The problem is, is we don't have enough. The pool of the fighters isn't big enough. There's not enough fighters to go around. So you got this uh, this greed factor. So if if we form the the Billy C and Sal Rocky Senecola Boxing League, and we get uh, a bunch of good fighters to uh, to perform, all it takes is a, a golden boy or a top rank to call one of our fighters and say, hey, listen, you're making uh, you know $100,000 to fight Vinny Goombats next week. We'll give you $5 million to fight our guy. And next thing you know, he's leaving our league fighting for the money. That's the problem. Now, as far as the UFC promoting boxing, they're just doing it as a promotion. They're not trying to make it as a league. If they do, more power to them. Uh, but uh, what we need is is promoters. We need more promoters like Eddie Hearn. Sal, what Eddie Hearn is doing, I think, is is great for boxing. And you watch. He's going to do well over here in the States because the problem with the promoters here in the States is that they're lazy and they're too greedy. We all know that they got to make money, but let's not be too greedy, right? No, I mean, you know, Bill, it's, it's so funny. I, I regret I only have one life to live. And because you know what? I would love. I would have loved to do several things with boxing. I would have loved to have been a manager. I would have loved to be a trainer and get a guy a title fight. And I would love to be a promoter. And uh, I, I, you know, too bad. You and I should form form that league and see if we have any. Uh, take ah, listen, I'm sick of talking to you about stuff. You never pull the trigger. We had all those things. I, we, we, we had did, all we that did stuff. We have it all played. But, but, but you, you know, know what? The bottom line is, I still want to fight. That's the whole damn. Well, thing. that's the problem. That's the problem. That's it. Because you can't. Uh, you can, but you, you're not. It doesn't make sense. But anyway, um, one final thing. He says, Billy, I read that Demetrius Andre rejected to fight Deverenchenko because they found four weeks before uh, the scheduled date not enough time to prepare. Uh, but his promotions thinks it could have been salvaged for the first quarter of 2018. Should they have taken that late notice fight? You know, four weeks, that's a month, right? Um, the problem with Demetrius Andre is that he doesn't fight enough. That's one problem. And the reason is the other problem, that he's got two guys, he's got two promoters that both have their claws in him, and neither one of them want to invest any money. They just want to collect in uh, Banner and uh, Star Boxing. Um, and that's the truth, all right? I mean, Joe DeGuardia, I love Joe DeGuardia, you know, um, but, uh, and, I, and I, I look up to him in a way. Because uh, uh, Joe DeGuardia um, is a smart guy, uh, but uh, you know, you sign with him. Don't don't think that he's going to be doing much for you except feed you a couple of tomato cans, and then uh, you know, and then you'll you'll get a shot. And that's been his uh, uh, mo. Um, but uh, but here's the thing, um, you know, if a fighter stays in shape. Four weeks is plenty of time. I, what bothers me is when these fighters, um, you know, say four weeks isn't enough, eight weeks isn't enough, you know. Well, that's telling me that they're not in physical, if they're not in decent physical shape, so that they need to take X amount of time to get in shape. In other words, spend uh, a, a, an, an X amount of time conditioning for their camp. This is what made Floyd Mayweather so successful because he basically stayed in shape. So when he finally signed to fight somebody, his camp was dedicated to focusing on the fight, a game plan, et cetera, et cetera. So what that tells me is Demetrius Andrade uh, 
um, either was being uh, guided in the wrong way or he wasn't in shape. Four weeks seems like enough time uh, if you're in somewhat decent shape to prepare for a fight. Hey, listen, uh, I was talking earlier in the show that uh, Dax Khan was going to join us uh, with a uh, uh, opinionated uh, uh, commentary, and um, he's got um, a pretty serious uh, topic he wants to talk about, and uh, Dax Khan is with us right now. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How's everybody today? Oh, not Good morning, Dax. Not too bad. Good morning. I know you got uh, a uh, serious uh, topic you want to discuss, so let it roll, brother. Brother. <laughs> brother. Uh, but let it roll, brother. <laughs> brother. Brother, brother. <laughs> you know, um, on November 18th, in uh, El Salvador, you know, two undefeated welterweights, uh, Ricardo Cortez and Francisco Ruiz, you know, they got the biggest opportunity of their career to fight on the undercard of a female WBA title fight. Um, in uh, cent- and uh, you know, in down in South America, Central America, Bill, as you know, female boxing is big, and you know, it's not like the United States down there in those smaller countries. You know, you really don't get much bigger than that. You know, especially when you're a 27-year-old 4-0 fighter and a 24-year-old 3-0 fighter, uh, you know, to have such an opportunity and possibly be seen by mainstream press and get an opportunity to uh, be shuttled off and fight someplace in the United States or maybe even Mexico, you know, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. And, of course, you know, these two young men went out there and they did their best. And, unfortunately, you know, that night, you know, tragedy for uh, Francisco Ruiz, who was knocked out in the eighth round, and he died on uh, November 23rd. You know, that happens in boxing. You know, that's not a shock. It's not a surprise. It's a dangerous sport. You know, we see things like that happen, whether or not it's a, a permanent injury or, God forbid, death. You know, it happens. That's, that's part of the sport. But there was a public comment from uh, WBC President Mauricio Suleiman, which, you know, kind of very, it weighed in my mind heavy. And um, that comment was, uh, Francisco Ruiz has died in El Salvador. Shameless to those who sanction such an event, his blood will forever be on their hands. And then when you sit there and you think that those are strong words because it wasn't a, um, a condolence, you know, those were uh, words of uh, chastising, you know, uh, words of disgust from him, you know, and uh, when I look deeper into their careers, the commission and the promoters of that uh, contest, um, Alberto Charms of uh, Famous KO Promotions and the uh, Salvador uh, Sanction Commission, you know, what goes on down there, you know, is, is, it's, it's shameful, you know, there's almost no words to describe the state of boxing down there. Um, you know, and it's actually sort of shocking that, you know, these two fighters haven't been involved in an injury earlier or more fighters down there don't die on a regular basis. That we know of. Yeah, that, that's a good point, too, uh, Sal, that, that, that we know of. Uh, you know, um, just, just, you know. Would you find? Would dig? Would you dig up? I'm sorry. I, I'm, right. I'm anxious uh, you know, to hear. The, 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 the one fighter, you know, Ricardo uh, Diamante Cortez, you know, um, he was 4-0 with uh, two knockouts. You know, he made his debut in October of 2010 um, at, at the Central Convention Center in El Salvador. Um, you know, he won his pro debut at TKO over Alexis Aguirre, uh, who was also making his pro debut. Uh, you know, but Alexis Aguirre was 43 years old, uh, out of shape, a day worker. He never trained a day in his life. Uh, you know, and he goes in there and makes his pro debut against, uh, you know, a 26-year-old fighter. Um, and then, you know, on December 16th, 16th, just two months later, he goes in there and he fights um, Omar Machinados, uh, who's also um, making his pro debut. Okay, great. We have two pro debut fighters facing one another, except Osmar uh, Montesados in 2009 fought for a world kickboxing championship, and he also had over 50 Muay Thai fights under his belt. 
Oh, wow. Now, we know they're two different sports. Um, MMA is not uh, boxing. Muay Thai is not boxing. Kickboxing is not boxing. But also, uh, Montesanos had just fought two months before that in a, uh, in, a, in a cage for a small promotion company. You know, this was a, a seasoned, full combat uh, fighter going in against a guy who only had one fight against a 43-year-old uh, uh, pro debuter. You know, wow. in uh, April 24th and uh, July 15th of 2017, again, by the same promoter, um, Albert Charms, and by the, sanctioned by the same commission, he fought the same guy twice for two different titles in two different weight divisions. You know, on April 6th, he gets a majority draw for the Salvadorian middleweight title against Omar Aguilar, and then in July, he fights for the super welterweight title. Never at all were the official weights ever disclosed by the commission or by the promoter. Wow. And then on uh, September 23rd, uh, he fights for the uh, Salvadorian welterweight title. Again, the promoter does not disclose the weights and neither does the commission. In the two prior fights to the one on September 23rd, when he faced Christian Correas for the welterweight title, Correas' two prior bouts were at middleweight and super middleweight within the last three months. You know, wow. it's 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 mind-boggling that they get away with that. But you know, you make a, uh, the important point here is that it's their baseball they get to pitch that organization is run by that it's a different country you know and that's that's the point i think that you need to convey and make sure people understand i know that's what you mean but I, people have to understand that you know here in the states we have the commissions and and uh, you know the better obviously we have some bad ones but the majority of them are on the up and up they do look out for the safety we know uh, over in in europe uh, most of the commissions there are, are, are looking out for the fighters. But there are a lot of other places, like you are pointing out now, that are not so much. It's more corrupt. It's more like uh, what we tried to correct with uh, federal IDs here in the state. I and, mean, isn't and, that the and, point? And it, gets, and it gets worse than that. You know, Francisco Ruiz, uh, the fighter who passed away in that fight, um, you know, he made his pro debut in this year in April of uh, April 17th of this year. You know, he faced Julio Martinez, who was a bantamweight. Again, the commission and the promoter, Alberto Chams, never revealed the official weight to Martinez. Here is one fact, though. Julio Martinez, five months earlier, lost a one-sided unanimous decision to a 117-pound fighter, Jose Aniudo. Aniudo came in at 117 pounds. The commission allowed Martinez officially to come in at 128 pounds. Just think what the weight differential was the night of the fight. Wow. I mean, do you know what the they, and they're not disclosing the weights. Is that the issue here? For that, they disclosed the weights. You know, I've done research. There's a few. I'll talk about one in a second where a, uh, a local uh, newspaper and some local reporters, you know, happened to disclose weights that the commission and the uh, promoter did not want to get out. Um, you know, for example, in the second fight for um, Francisco Ruiz, July 15th of this year, um, he fought Marcos Mancina who's officially listed as a super uh, lightweight. Again, the commission and the promoter did not disclose the weights. But according to a local newspaper in an article I found, Marcos Mancina weighed the super lightweight limit of 140 pounds. But two months later, Mancina faced Antonio Galliano, and he was stopped in the second round. Antonio Galliano has never fought above 119 pounds in his career. Jeez. Wow. 
Well, you know, I, I mean, there's no see the problem we have with this this type of stuff is that we or anybody doesn't have a control over that commission and it becomes a moral issue, don't you think? And and maybe fighters should just not fight there. I mean, I, I mean, what's the solution? What's what's what are you suggesting? It's you know there there is no real solution. Um, you know, there, there really isn't, a, you know, a, a solution, you know, in his last fight prior to this, Francisco Ruiz, you know, he, he had fought uh, Manuel Rivera. Uh, he won a four-round unanimous decision. Rivera spent his whole career fighting at middleweight and above. A uh, matter of fact, they fought on the same card at the Central Convention Center. And, um, you know, again, Famoso Promotions and the Salvadorian Commission does not disclose these weights, and these, these weights are uh, accidentally disclosed by people that view or by people that uh, take video at there or by um, uh, promoters or uh, I should say media members in the area. There is no solution to that, but, you know, there's something that uh, what people need to understand is, you know, what these guys put on the line, you know. Um, we speak about all the time, and, you know, they, they've written books, in it and they make movies like Rocky about these guys who um, have nothing else, no, um, no other way to make a living, but they have these dreams. Um, you know, these young fighters, you know, they, they had a dream that, you know, hey, maybe one day that, you know, I will be able, I'll, I'll be able to be, you know, the next Gennaro Hernandez, you know, maybe one day the next Carlos Hernandez. Uh, maybe if I'm lucky on the undercard of here, it doesn't matter who my opponent is. I don't know nothing about him. I don't have access to him. My team doesn't. But you know what? If I do well on this card, I could possibly be taken. I can get a fight someplace else, and this can change my family's way. But you have people who, you know, forget his businessman, forget his authority figures, you know, people like the Salvadorian Commission, you know, and, and people like uh, Alberto Charms, who, um, you know, they're disgraceful that they're willing to do this to these young men. Uh, you know, even as you stated, Bill, in uh, the worst of commissions or the best of commissions in this country or in the UK, you know, we have stuff that is set in place. You know, when uh, Francisco Ruiz was knocked out in the eighth round, they left him lay there for 15 minutes on that mat and they stared at him. They left wow. him lay there. And then when they took him out of that ring, they didn't bring him out on a stretcher. They didn't bring him out on a gurney. The, the referee drug him. He was unconscious. The referee had his arm around him and drug him. And, you know, and this, and this is how they operate down there, you know. So um, we talk, you know, uh, uh, Chocolatito, you know, uh, with that knockout. But then, you know, people say, but he had so many fights. You know, Chocolatito, early on in his career, he was subject to a lot of situations like these where, you know, he fought guys, you know, two, three, and four divisions bigger and lower than he did. You know, the, what, what these guys do in these other countries, you know, it, it's uh, – we haven't seen stuff like this, you know, in over 100 years, 150 years. And, you know, these people who are in charge and they run this, they literally do this for pennies because some of these fighters, they're only paid, you know, in the American equivalent. There's been fighters down there that I know have been paid a dollar. Yeah, that wow. sucks, man. Wow. It sucks. Um, I, I wish that there was something that could be done, but uh, it is still like the rootin' tootin' west, so, you know, for all intent and purposes. You know, it's their baseball. They get to pitch. I mean, um, you know, we're we're running out of time here. What do what do you what do you propose? I mean, what do you think people should do aside from just build awareness to this? I mean, really, there's nothing you can do, right? You know, site build awareness. This is where the sport as a whole needs to step up. You know, boxing is an independent contracted sport, as we know. You know, every fighter, until they uh, even or even when they're with a promoter or a manager, that they have. You know, they pretty much they work for themselves and they have to follow that contract. But you know, something if these uh, 
whether or not it's the sanctioning bodies or bigger promotion companies, they actually go down there and they take out this talent, these young fighters that you know that that are fighting for uh, you know for their dream to want to do uh, what what their idols have done in that country. You know, go down there, get these guys and get this new talent, and that's how you build the sport and you make the sport better. But instead, what we do is we sit here and we all, including you, me, Sal, we talk about and we complain about the same old recycle fighters that we've seen all the time. You know, this is something that has to be done collectively as a group. And as far as awareness, I think every media member, you know, a fan should speak out with social media. Everybody, you know, just, just speak out against this, you know, to the commissions, you know, do whatever you can. Or if anything, just don't support what goes on there. If you don't support it, nobody can make money and nobody's making money. You know what? Nobody's going to be able to put themselves into that situation and a risk. That, that, you know, that's the best you can do. But awareness is the most important thing. And, you know, a little bit of appreciation for what these fighters on all levels. I say it all the time, whether you're the journeyman or you're the elite world champion on all levels, what you sacrifice and what they go through for our entertainment. One thing I want to mention real quick, Dax, just to add to this, is that, you know, a lot of times we talk about the lack of boxing, boxing knowledge from the powers that be that approve matchups and stuff like that. And we see a guy that comes from uh, some place you never heard of or you're not familiar with and he's got this stellar record 28-0 or something like that. These are those guys. These are those guys that you're talking about. These are the, and I'm not saying all of them, but these could potentially be those guys that they come out of nowhere. They're they're basically, you know, being put in fights as you suggest that are, you know, not safe for the other guy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe they should start to educate themselves and look into where these records were built from and who they fought, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you eliminate promoters from the U.S., you know, if we just look at the U.S., from using these kinds of guys, knowing that somebody else may have suffered because of it, maybe that's a start, Dax. Maybe maybe we should look at it from that point of view. A absolutely. Uh, G uh, Giancarlo De Luca, uh, who you know, who works over in uh, Europe with the uh, uh, several of the commissions over there, you know, he has put out a lot of these guys, what they do is they base their whole knowledge and their records and their matchmaking off a of box rec. And we also know that on box rec, you know, those records aren't always accurate. And a lot of those just have to do with whoever has an account, what they upload inside there. And a lot of things are mismatches. So we need some sort of a uh, recognized and a better system to make these matches. And as far as these young fighters in these countries being able to educate themselves, you know, these are people that, you know, they can barely pay their rent. They have no education. You know, they, they, they don't have clothes. You know, they don't have, the, you know, the basic necessity things that people with a uh, minimum wage job here in this country take advantage of, let alone being able to surround themselves with somebody who has the opportunity to go and scout and inform and look into their opponents. A lot of times what happens is these are guys that they just went to work with that day. Dax, uh, we got to take a break, but let's let's talk more about this um, and uh, maybe we can, uh, we can approach it in a way where um, we take a look at some of these guys that are appearing on cards here in the States or, or possibly in Europe. Uh, and uh, and try to build awareness from that that angle. What do you think? Absolutely. All right, my man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Sal, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, Miguel Cotto is fighting in his last fight, according to Miguel Cotto. We'll talk about that in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. 
Radio.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking of being with us, uh, I'm back here with uh, my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, this weekend we got a big fight coming up. Um, well, let me rephrase it. This weekend we have Miguel Cotto's uh, last fight, uh, supposedly his last fight. Uh, it's called uh, the final fight, and um, Cotto uh, clearly uh, first ballot Hall of Famer when he does finally hang him up. He does say that this is his last fight. He's thirty-seven years old. He has said this before. We were talking yesterday in the chat room, and uh, many of us believe that he will be lu- lured back uh, for another fight uh, because he won't be able to uh, uh, turn down the money that they'll throw at him. But uh, um, they had their final, final press. He had his so-called final, final press conference, meaning because the card is called the final. Uh, final. Miguel Cotto said, uh, on Saturday, I'm going to be the same Miguel Cotto uh, you've watched for the last 16 years. I'm going to be a warrior inside the ring. I'm going to do my best, as always, for the benefit of my family. Saddam Ali was there, too. He says, I know there's a lot of people saying this might not be a good fight. Everybody can say what they want. But we, when we get in there Saturday night, you're going to see an amazing fight. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, uh, Saddam Ali, in my opinion, I'm just going to say this right out of the gate. Um, he's trained by a trainer that I think is, is, is awful. Um, in, uh, uh, I, you know. Uh, whatever, uh, Andre Rozier, uh, he's, uh, he trains Daniel, Danny Jacobs, um, you know, maybe what they do in the gym uh, works, I, I don't know, but from what I see, this guy uh, is not that good, and that's who uh, Saddam Ali's been trained by, so, but when you take a look at Miguel Cotto, there's no question that he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, I mean, you go back uh, in his career, on his way up, and, you know, you start looking at the names on the resume. Now, I could see us doing a future blast on this guy. You start looking at the names on his resume, and very early on, um, you start seeing big names. I mean, you know, Carlos Messiah, uh, uh, Massa uh, in 2003 was undefeated uh, when uh, uh, when Miguel Cotto, for, uh, Miguel Cotto fought him. Uh, for a uh, intercontinental, and this was junior welterweight title, um, stopped him in the eighth, uh, eighth round. Uh, follows that fight against uh, Victorino Socha, which was another good fight, uh, fighter at the time. Uh, 37 wins, three losses, and a couple of draws. Um, you know, stops him in four. Uh, fights love more than to do after that um, for uh, another uh, regional title. Uh, wins a 12-round decision, which sets him up uh, for his first uh, world title shot. And this was against Kelson Pinto, uh, which uh, he was undefeated. Uh, The fight was fought in Puerto Rico, and Miguel Cotto won uh, his first world title by stopping uh, Pinto in the uh, sixth round. He follows that with wins. Uh, Let me just... Let me just name the names, all right? Now, remember, this is, uh, you know, 2004, 
so you know you're you're talking you know 13 years ago um Randall Bailey 28 and 4 at the time DeMarcus Chop Chop Corley 29 and 3 at the time uh Ricardo Torres undefeated at 28 no Gianluca Branco 36 and 1 with a draw Paulie Malinaji 21 and 0 Carlos Quintana 23 and 0 these are all guys that he beat um you know uh OK uh Yurkel, uh stopped him in 11 he was 38 and 3 Zab Judah stopped him in 11 34 and 4 this is 10 years ago Shane yeah. Mosley 10 years ago 44 wow. and 4 uh you know he finally was derailed uh and cuz he had picked up the welterweight title um, at that point, he had been defending the welterweight title. Uh, and after his fight with Alfonso Gomez, he stepped in the ring with Antonio Margarito and was battered uh, and lost his title uh, when they stopped it in the 11th round. This is when uh, I fell in love with Miguel Cotto um, because he showed extreme heart. We would later find out that Antonio Margarito, prior to his fight against Shane Mosley, uh, had uh, concrete in his gloves, and many people speculate, uh, especially the savageness and uh, condition of Miguel Cotto uh, during that Margarito fight that he very well may have had loaded gloves for that fight. But uh, Miguel uh, Cotto uh, comes back less than a year later and stops uh, Michael Jennings, who is 34 and 1, and picks up a world title again and starts another climb taking on Joshua Clotty uh, winning a 12-round decision against him in a very close fight to step in the ring with Manny Pacquiao a Manny Pacquiao at his prime in 2009 really issued uh, the the worst beating that Miguel Cotto ever got and uh, ended up stopping him uh, in the 12th round does that derail Cotto no because he gets back in the ring uh, you know, uh, less than a year later, now goes for the uh, junior middleweight title, beats Yuri Foreman, wins the title, uh, defends it against Ricardo Mayorga, revenge match against Antonio Margarito, uh, loses to Floyd Mayweather Jr. in a 12-round decision, gets back on his horse uh, after a loss from uh, Austin Trout, beats Delvin Rodriguez, Wins the middleweight title from Sergio Martinez. Fights Daniel Gill, who was 31-3 at the time. Fights Canelo Alvarez. Wow. Uh, and loses a 12-round decision in 2015. Took a couple of years off. Fights again in his last fight of August of this year against Kamagagi. Wins another title. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is where we sit. I mean, to suggest that this guy had a stellar career would be a complete understatement. Uh, Miguel Cotto has shown us throughout his whole career that he is nothing less than a warrior. If you don't like Miguel Cotto and you don't like watching him in fights, then you don't like boxing. Miguel Cotto, currently the WBO junior middleweight champion, former junior welterweight, welterweight, and middleweight champ. He's ranked number three in the world as a super middleweight. He's 37 years old, 5'7", 67-inch reach, 41 wins, 33 by knockout, five losses in which he was stopped only two times against Margarito and Pacquiao, uh, 333 rounds, 72% KO ratio for his 46 fights. 
He steps in the ring tomorrow night against Saddam Ali. Saddam Ali is eight years younger. He's ranked at number 25, but in a smaller division. He's in a welterweight. He's got a two-inch reach, uh, I'm sorry, two-inch height advantage at five foot nine, 73-inch reach advantage. Uh, I'm sorry, his reach is 73 inches, which is a six-inch <laughs> reach advantage, which is huge. Um, this guy's got a record of uh, 25 and one with one stoppage loss and 14 wins coming by knockout. He's a former world welterweight title challenger. When I look at Saddam Ali, uh, his record, his first 21 fights were against extremely easy opposition. He was 21-0 and when he fought, in my opinion, his first tough fight against Luis, Luis Carlos Abregu, uh, in which he won uh, via a ninth-round stoppage. He followed that up with all decent fights, Francisco Santana, and then he got his uh, world uh, title shot against Jesse Vargas, in which he was stopped in the ninth round. He got back on his horse and beat Saul Corral, Jorge Silva, and Johan Perez in his last three fights. All good wins. Um, most of his fights uh, have been in the New York area. He is fighting at Madison Square Garden against Miguel Cotto Saturday night. I'm sure there'll be people there for him. How do I see this fight going? I see it going Miguel Cotto's way. I think Miguel Cotto's going to win this fight. I think he's going to knock out Saddam Ali. I think uh, maybe Saddam Ali might stay on his feet for a couple of rounds. But at the end of the day, this is a showcase bon voyage fight for Miguel Cotto. Although I do think we'll see him one more time. Miguel Cotto by stoppage. Sal, I know I was long-winded. I just wanted to... No, I love your uh, long-winded. Um, uh, it's a great scenario. Well, great, I, just wanted to, I just wanted people to understand... You know that whether you like Miguel Cotto or not, you got to respect him. How do you see the fight itself going? Uh, Bill, you and I are from the same cloth on that level. This this is a showcase. This is his supposedly last hurrah, and uh, he's a stellar world champion, a combatant, a warrior. Uh, he's done nothing less than give his hundred percent in his craft, uh, and you got to love his fighting spirit along with his ability and talent to do and show what he loves to do. And this is going to be a farewell until the next time. But uh, I think that uh, uh, he will stop Ali. I think he'll stop Ali. I think he'll let this go. I don't mean to insinuate let this go, but I think uh, he'll he'll probably do so after the sixth round, maybe around the sixth, between the sixth and eighth round, he will stop this guy. Yeah, it's about right. It's about right. I hope everybody enjoys that fight uh, and appreciates it um, because uh, that's really what, what they're doing here. Um, they're, they're giving him a platform in which he could, you know, presumably leave on his, uh, on his own uh, accord, you know, leaving uh, yeah. as a champion, walking away uh, with a memorable performance. They have the right guy in there for him. Uh, but like you always say, Sal, that's why you given fight them. the fights on any given night. And, uh, Any given night. He is 37. Uh, he is uh, very uh, substantially older than uh, than his opponent, Saddam Ali. And if Saddam Ali can outbox him and, and steal a victory, I don't see it happening, but it's possible. But uh, It is possible. In any event, I do believe Miguel Cotto is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I kind of see him fighting again in a couple of years, maybe against Manny Pacquiao again. Like, it would have to be a big fight a big name and big bucks, you know, but uh, these guys are all aging, man, you know, so uh, uh, it's probably not likely. Hopefully, hopefully he does hang him up. He's made a lot of money in his career. 
I don't know what he's making for this fight. Uh, you know, I had I heard a rumor only about a million, which is I say only because uh, this guy has made uh, well beyond that in the past. But it is what it is. He is fighting uh, less than stellar opponents, so uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, good luck to Miguel Cotto, right? I wish him the best and good luck. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if this is going to be the very last time we see him in the ring. But uh, I'll tell you why. Let's uh, put our hats off to him. He's had a stellar career. Guy's had a, over a 15-year professional boxing career. I mean, the longevity, the opportunities, the wars. This guy, uh, I'll tell you what, he's he's a warrior. And he, is, he gives us his heart, his best. And you cannot do anything else but appreciate and respect him. You can't deny his heart. No, you can't. You I can't. mean, I mean, he's he's displayed that. Uh, you see, you know what, Sal, and it, it, that's what I to me. And I know the price. I, I know it comes at a price, but you it know, does. to me, to me, what I appreciate as a fan when I when I have when I just put the fan hat on, I, I appreciate the guys that do that. You know, it seems that in professional sports today, not just in boxing, but, you know, uh, NFL sticks out in mind. It's all about the individual now. You know, I was watching uh, even my hapless Jets and, uh, you know, they're they're uh, you know, they're one of their top receivers, Robbie Anderson, uh, you know, after catching making a touchdown catch, he's, he's in the camera saying vote for me for the all stars. And one of the commentators got really pissed off at that. And at the time, I, I didn't really care one way or another. And I still really don't care one way or another. But I tell you what, it definitely paints the picture that the guy is looking out for himself when his team has got four wins under their belt for the whole season. You know, And, and really, the problem with individual, um, you know, looking at individual statistics and, and stuff like that in, in team sports when they should be focusing on the team Boxing doesn't allow that. It's it's you're the guy. You're the only one in there, and um, you know when a fighter decides to to challenge himself and take the tough road, uh, and, and and prove uh, that he is what he is. How can he not respect it? And Miguel Cotto has done that throughout his whole career. It would be a travesty if he goes out with a loss, even though it would be great for Saddam Ali and all his fans. But it would be a travesty to have people look at Miguel Cotto in his last fight going down uh, to a guy like Saddam Aldi. And, and, I, and I don't mean that, honestly, I know it sounds it, but I don't mean that in any disrespectful manner to Saddam Ali. No, I know you don't. And uh, like I said, Miguel Cotto fans are, are looking for that victory as, as well as uh, Miguel Cotto. And, you know, if he should come up uh, on the opposite end of that victory, then... Maybe this will not be the last fight because I think this guy's got to go out on his own terms and and uh, with a victory. And uh, it's a calculated risk as always, but uh, on paper, black and white, he should easily or readily handle uh, Saddam Ali. Let's hope so. Um, another fight that's you know I, I love this uh, World Boxing Super Series. And um, we're getting ready to, to kick off the next um, dates. Uh, you know, we had our, uh, um, you know, uh, first heat, so to speak. Now they're what they're billing as the semifinals are taking place um, January and February. And um, the first one uh, that we have a date for is in the super middleweight division. And it's putting 
George Groves against Chris Eubank Jr., uh, which incidentally, uh, the WBA world title is on the line. And that's taking place February 17th in England. And just to catch you caught up, Callum Smith and Jurgen Brommer are the other two um, super middleweights. So the two winners of those two fights will fight each other for the uh, championship of the World Boxing Super Series. And in the cruiserweight division, the one that really has some good fights coming up, uh, the semifinals, uh, Urnier uh, Dortikos against Murat Gassiev. It's a unification uh, about in the cruiserweight division for the WBA and IBF. And then uh, Alexander Yusik and Marius Breedis, another unification for the other two titles, WBO and WBC. Those two dates and uh, venues have not been announced yet. Uh, but the uh, date for the uh, Groves-Eubank Jr. fight, which uh, took it will be taking place on February 17th in England, uh, puts uh, George Groves, who's 27-3 and with 20 knockouts, uh, and he's the WBA super middleweight holder against Chris Eubank Jr., who's the IBO world uh, super middleweight uh, title holder at 26-1 and one with 20 knockouts. Uh, they had their press release the other day, and uh, Chris Eubank uh, said, and I quote, George seems to be hung up on what I do. Uh, he needs to worry about himself. Thinking about me isn't going to get him anywhere. I'm a man of my word, and George, you will not see the end of the 12th round. He doesn't have the speed. His defense is poor, and his stamina is average at best. The fact that he's lacking in these things means that he won't be able to compete with me. I'm not a stepping stone. I'm Mount Everest, and you're not going to climb me. This is uh, Chris Eubank Jr. talking some smack at the press conference. George Grove says, it's a semifinal in a tournament that I'm expecting to win, so this is a stepping stone. Another step on the way for me is Chris Eubank Jr., he puts on a facade that he's able to do everything for himself, and he's a one-man band, but it's very difficult doing stuff on your own. So we'll see if he starts to make these changes and adapt. He'll have to. Obviously, this is his first really big fight, definitely at super middleweight, and I believe that he's going to fall short in a lot of categories. I love this matchup, Sal, and uh, I'm looking forward to these uh, semifinals for the Super World Boxing Super Series. It's been a great uh, thing for the sport. And I hope that, uh, uh, you know, Richard Schaefer continues with these and other weight classes. Uh, what's your overall thought real quick? Well, of course. I love this because it, it does refine, it does present, and it does give us an opportunity to see uh, people vie for a, a coveted belt or, or title or recognition. And and it shows the, the cream of the crop trying to rise to the top. And uh you know, it's a title elimination, it's a fight elimination, and it's a round-robin elimination. It, it's, it's great. I love the foundation of it. Uh, you know, I've often wondered why, you know, boxing couldn't be structured on some level in a tournament fashion. You know, they have enough belts out there. You know, let's do, uh, let's let's see maybe the possibility or likelihood or the structure of maybe some types of tournaments uh, uh, every year. And, and asking either by invitation or by nomination, you know, let's get some of the top guys to see if we could structure a tournament-style boxing tournament, you know, um, a class of fighters. I don't know, but I love it. I love this opportunity. Well, this is this is what Richard Schaefer is doing with the World Boxing Super Series, and what, um, what I appreciated the most about it was the simple fact that, you know, he, he picked two divisions that need some uh, shot in the arm, yes. at least here in the States. I mean, uh, you know, because the funny thing is, is in Europe, both those divisions are extremely popular. It's just that here in the States, they're not. 
And uh, just like a lot of other things, the United States is, is you know, uh, losing ground uh, with, uh, with the sport of boxing. And I think that what, what, was, what did it for me was the willingness of these fighters, regardless of the belts that they held, to get in the ring and prove that they're the best. Now, remember, these guys, especially for this next heat, they're all bringing belts. Every one of them pretty much has a world title that they're bringing into this ring that they're, one of the guys are leaving the ring without a belt. And, I, you know, that's what happens in the States a lot when you have a world, uh, when you have a, uh, you know, world champion for the United States. They're the ones that never want to fight anybody. They're so afraid to lose their belt and the networks don't want to put them on if they lose that they don't challenge themselves. And what we end up with is stagnation. It's, it becomes a, is that a word? We become, it becomes stagnant it be is my now. point. It, it's, it, it's the Sal Rocky Santa Cola. Hey, dictionary. it's the Slip the, Mahoney Bible that's of the, uh, that's dictionary. The, that's the dictionary I use, the, the Sal Rocky <laughs> the Santa Cola. Mahoney. It's Sal Rocky. We, but, we, you know, don't forget my word I invented, perpendicular. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but the truth is, is that, you know, they got to, they, they have to, challenge themselves and you know the fighters that do uh you know I, I respect more than the fighters that don't i don't know i don't know what else to say what watch out what because uh, now you just you got me going and now i'm chiming in and how many domestic usa fighters are in this tournament none the only oh, guy, boy, the, whoa, hey, well wait a minute wow, wait a minute a there, there was the one there was the one guy there was, um but there he was one and he uh you know had a great opportunity but because he was a sparring partner he fought like a sparring partner and you and i both picked him to win you know but uh but anyway we, we won't revisit that but uh uh what we will revisit is our trivia question and it's just been stumping a lot of people um I've been getting a lot of good answers. And, you know, I hope you guys understand when I, when I respond, great answer, but no. It's me being sarcastic, you know, because uh, I'm trying to be, you know, fun. It's fun, all right, but it is sarcasm. Um, it, it, this is, a, uh, this is a, a tough question, and quite honestly, I, I thought that it would have been, I thought the right answer would have been correct, uh, would have been given to me already, but uh, it, uh, excuse me, has not. Um, if you're the first person to email me the correct answer, uh, uh, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Mysterious Boxing Machine <laughs> of the Title Bout Championship <laughs> computer what game. it is. But uh, I, know, I know Sal calls it the Boxing Machine, but... But listen, boys and girls, it's just a game. It's a simulation game. But Sal, Sal's not up on that. He he just got rid of his flip. Phone. I think it was invented by H.G. Wells. Do you have your? <laughs> that was a great movie. Do you have your car back? Um, and picking it up this <laughs> <laughs> the Alfa Romeos in the garage. No, they I, called me. They actually called me oh, three I bet. weeks ago. I know they probably and, uh, said Sal. Come and get this car. It's been in here. It it is <laughs> got it, the mice there. moved into it, you know. But uh, you should you should get that new one. That new Alfa Romero is nice, man. I test drove that. Oh my goodness, I test drove. And every time I go down there, I'm test driving all these brand new Alfa Romeos. I, I know time. that's why they want so you to what, get. What, they want you to test drive yours home. That's what they want well, to do. No, no, no. They will finally fix that. I think they want me to trade it in. I test drove the Alfa Romeo 4C which was a beautiful sports car. I call it a baby Ferrari. And let me tell you this thing. This thing, I took it up there on, on I-95. And, 
you know, I was taking it up. The guy's in the passenger seat. I'm driving this thing. It's right so tight. It feels so good. It's just real. It's a supercar. It's a baby supercar, the Alfa Romeo 4C. I loved it. And, you know, we were going around 95. And I was going 95 because I said, hey, if I get stopped, I'll just tell the police officer. I don't understand English. I thought that was a speed limit. 95. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just say that, speedo- <laughs> say, say that the speedometer is in Italian, so you can't, you know. Absolutely. And, and, and the, 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 the speedometer is shaped like a pizza, right? Well, I thought that with the dial. That's the pizza, <laughs> but the pepperoni is at pepperoni, the, 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 the pepperoni is at the 65-mile-an-hour yeah. speed limit, right? And then when you when you add the mushrooms to it, eh, it starts to get to 70, you know. But uh, anyway, um, the question is, back back to the question. And I don't know what made me bring up your car. I, I think I just... Because I think everyone's I, bringing up my car. They, well, they, no, they want to see because on the license plate it says Pie Guy. And, well, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's it was part of my trademark. My Alfa Romeo Spider Veloce 4C. Beautiful triple black car. I love it. It's it's me and uh, synonymous with what I'm about. Well, the last time I drove in it, um, I just got rid of the headache from uh, the sound and the exhaust that was leaking in. But uh, but that's the side. That, that's the side. It's all fixed, yeah. Bill. It's all fixed. Oh, God. I was like, gee, Sal, I feel like taking a nap. You go, you know, it's funny. Every time I drive this car, I feel tired. Yeah, because you <laughs> got exhaust coming in here, Sal. You know, that's why you're feeling tired. Crack a window. You're going to kill his mouth, you know. But uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, the question is. Name the boxer who fought the most. I had to. I had to make sure I read the right one. All of a sudden, I was going to go. Name the. Oh wait a minute, that's not it. Name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career, before being stopped the first time. Now, this is any kind of stoppage—a TKO, uh, a knockout, or even not being able to continue. But that's not the case. Um, so, name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated. By stoppage. Now he had lost before, just not by stoppage. All right. And so not only am I looking for the guy's name, I'm looking for how many fights he had before the stoppage loss. It's a tough question, but I have faith that somebody's going to get it over the weekend. And then if you do, you win the title belt championship computer game. Uh, and if you just want the game, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner and download yourself a copy. Uh, so if you email me the correct answer, correct answer, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you win the prize. One more time, name the boxer who fought the most fights from the start of his career before being defeated by stoppage. I want the name, I want the amount of fights, and it's any kind of stoppage, whether it's a TKO or knockout. So good luck to everybody on that one. Hey, Sal, we got uh, uh, Miguel Cotto's last fight Saturday. Uh, we'll be watching that. Next week, uh, we do uh, continue our, our uh, holiday schedule, so we'll keep you post, uh, posted on that. Also, we will be announcing our next Billy C. get-together where we want you to join uh, myself and Sal uh, to be part of our next uh, filming of the uh, new series that is now uh, on the television dial of Billy C.'s Boxing Revisited. So I suggest you visit our website, uh, BillyCBoxing.com. All of the television networks that have the show scheduled so far are on the right-hand side. Just click them and uh, find out uh, where you can watch it, what channel, and all that stuff, uh, and uh, watch it. And then drop me an email. Let me know. I know you guys are going to love this new series. Sal and I certainly do. And uh, we're making some uh, improvements, and we want you to be part of it. 
so make sure you uh, drop me an email to get put on the list. It will be taking place in January, most likely the middle of January, um, but the location has not been confirmed, but uh, we will uh, hopefully have that for you by Monday. So uh, make sure you drop me an email uh, on that one. But listen, enjoy Miguel Cotto's final, 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 I don't think so, fight, which will be taking place this Saturday on HBO from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And then uh, make sure... You tune in Monday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.